0: This is the Freshman 15. My name's Jeremy Bear, and my favorite animal used to be a bear, which makes sense, but then I realized that the armadillo is slightly better.
1: And I'm Daniel Long, and I have the best fight man skills you've ever seen. That's why they call me Dangerous Person. Daniel,
0: it has been two years since I have sat here in this chair and looked at your face doing this kind of thing. I'll, I'll be straight up honest, man. I'd kind of given it. You already know this. I kind of gave it you up. You gave up. I, I even texted you and said, we're, we're done, right? That's and I it.
1: And then I texted you and I said, I think it sounds like we need to talk. Yeah. And we did. It's not cool, and I'm not trying to make a joke
0: out of it. It's not cool that we took a couple, we, we, were, we were three episodes in. To uh, our third season, and then we just kind of fell off the map, and that's awful. And of course, you know, you you've already heard by now our Judd Apatow episode that was recorded a couple of years ago. But this
1: is our first new, new, new one—the first new, new, new one recording in your studio. That's right. That I don't know. Did we talk about this? That you that we that you built? Yeah,
0: legit for this. That's right. I built. <laughs> we took out loans even <laughs> to buy a studio just for the freshman 15 and then we just stopped recording. oh them. man i know by the way we started in 2016 which at the at the time of this you know we're recording this now in the uh uh late winter of 2023 that's almost seven years ago that we started this thing and i still just think about how much i love doing this all the time
1: i agree this last weekend actually Somebody we like I had just met, uh, and they were talking about the Coen Brothers, and they said, oh, "Like, I wonder what their first film is." And and I was like, "Oh, Blood Simple, actually." Yeah. And I was with our friend Jeff Gray, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, no. yeah, they have a like a podcast on Blood Simple," and I said, "Our first one," and I knew that we were going to be recording, and so to have that happen, like in even in before this and like a few days before this was i don't know it was really meaningful to me yeah so i'm glad to be here with you my friend well i'm glad too
0: brother and i know that sometimes people give us shit because you know we're just all the time going on about how big of fans we are of the other but it's true it is true but you know what we're not the only ones
1: and and i will say that even though we've been lax
0: we kept up with the freaking oscar specials man
1: yeah we did we had, i mean what a great episode conversation that was with of course our friend Jeff Jensen, and always one of the great things about this year, you put it out there, and then people interact with it. That's the best thing.
0: It is, in real time. In fact, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a few people that gave us comments and stuff, mostly on social media. A couple people even sent me their own lists and stuff like that of how they would rank things, which is great. Oh, my gosh. Long-time listener, John Schweitzer. Great episode, guys. Wouldn't be a proper Oscar season without getting to hear your erudite assessments. Thank you, John. Tim McMahon says Top Gun 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold was the extra piece of value I didn't expect to get out of this. You're welcome, Tim. <laughs> that one was for you. Allison Dabb says listening to your Oscar episode has become a favorite annual tradition. Thank you. Well thank all of you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I have I have a, a note here from Nate Dunleavy, who a faithful listener, and I don't know if if people would remember, but one time we were recording and he was also here listening to us record. That right. was a fun memory. Right. And he sent us some notes, you know, interacting with, with our episode. And, and he says, you know, everything everywhere is the best picture of the year and it's not close. And he said his reaction was almost identical to Jeremy's. And why is this out in March? It's the best film I'll see this year. And then he goes on to talk about Elvis. He says, I think Lerman shoots the film in three genres. A uh, first third is a superhero origin story. Second third is shot as if it was one of Elvis's '60s picks. Mm. The third is a tragedy. Only saw it once, so I couldn't pick out what that style was, but it was a clear shift. Brilliant effect. Uh, Banshees. He says, "I love this." A comment. Agree with everything you guys said, but I viscerally hated the movie. <laughs> Wanted to love it, but I loathed it for its bleakness. You know, I this is not the first person
0: I've heard who's kind of like weird on. Not weird's the wrong word, but you know, there's just not not digging on banshees. I loved it. I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah,
1: I'm up. Territory. I still, I still, yeah, I, I I loved it too. In that, the bleakness was really. I guess I see that, but I also I see more. But what what I, I guess the point of even reading these notes is that people are interacting with we what we've said, and it becomes this ongoing conversation. Yeah, man. That is, of course, um, so wonderful. He ends his note nate does by saying i miss you guys Mm -hmm. please come back thank you nate and here we are nate yeah by the way uh stop if you're in southern california stop by
0: again we'd love to have you i have to tell you you know i'm reading nate's comment and just listening to you and jeff on the oscar special which i realized by the time this episode drops is going to be probably months and months ago but whatever the case i did give a second you know uh mental pass on 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 elvis i don't think i'm going to change where i have it in the in the lineup but a few things sort of I, your your comments jeff's affection for it it really helped me kind of think about it a little bit more i think what i sort of missed at the time was this idea of the unreliable narrator mm. which kind of forgives some of the weird like truthiness of the uh of the film itself, that is a good point, right? You know, and and uh, and it kind of, you know, in that sense, it's like, oh, you know, it's maybe it's a little more clever than I'm than I was given it credit for.
1: You saying that just makes me think I didn't give that a lot of consideration, you know, in the sense of of how we're actually getting this story,
0: you yeah. know, and, and the point of view. As Daniel says, thanks so much to everyone who uh, listened to and interacted with our Oscars episode. Thanks so much for for getting back into the game with us. That said to do it Alright.
1: hello i'm lily mckinnon welcome to meaty boy what would you like to eat today a big boy burger meal i bet
0: yes a big boy burger meal please
1: okay do you want the big fries Uh, no it's free i'll give them to you the big size free you'll save a dollar fifty free okay do you want cheese on your burger no thanks it's free too. I'll give it to you. You'll save 60 cents. No, thanks. No. Why? It's free cheese. Can't eat cheese. Oh, okay. No cheese. Okay, I'll just go and get that for you.
0: Okay, order up. Kaylee, one
1: big boy burger meal, please. Hold the cheese and one large fries. Come on, guys. Let's try and make this happen.
0: So, Daniel, something that I was thinking about recently, especially in preparing for this episode is how do, how do you define a film decade? Mm. I mean, I think whenever we think of like, what was film like in the sixties and the seventies and the eighties, we we have pretty definitive ideas. I think sometimes it takes a good decade and a half or so before we can even get a sense for like, what, well, what was that decade? That's why I was thinking about like, what was the first decade of the 2000s, of the of the new millennium, you know, like, mm. what was, because I remember at the time, I'm like, I don't know, it's just, it's just the movies that are coming out, but I feel like I can start to kind of see the rhythms and the styles and stuff like that that were in that first decade. There's little things, especially with some of the smaller films, and you're like, oh, I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm yes. seeing a lot of that. I don't know if you feel the same way.
1: Looking back, and now that I wouldn't have thought about this film in light of that, but yes, I do think that there's a, There's a sense of filmmakers attempting similar styles to generate or find an effect that I imagine they themselves appreciate. Right. It becomes this, almost this larger conversation about what are the things that move us? What are the things that make us laugh? Yeah. And almost like, why is that? And why is that? I think I I, what I found,
0: uh, and of course today we're going to be talking about Eagle versus Shark, which is the the very first film of now kind of superstar director Taika Waititi, New Zealand director. And I kind of came upon this idea in my brain. In some ways, it's kind of a quintessential two thousands indie film. You know, it just has so many of the things that we saw in that decade from indie filmmakers that they were kind of doing and, and hitting a tone and hitting a type of story and, you know, even like musically and all these different things. I'm like, yes, that's what
1: the two thousands were like. And it's kind of all in one film. That's good. And I think that part of why I think it, it's helpful that you bring this up at the beginning of this conversation and I'm, I'm not going to give anything away yet. And like, in terms of my thoughts about it, what I notice in myself watching movies from, from this time is how easy it is for me to forgive hmm. like w- what i'm watching <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah like there's some biz- i don't know what that is i don't know if it's because so this film came out in, what 2007 2006 something yeah
0: either 2006 2007 yeah okay
1: but so that was i mean that was around a time where like like you said so many of these films were hitting similar notes mm-hmm. similar characters the similar sort of quirkiness right. that was so lovable to like for me yeah, yeah. that i just loved going back I, it's easy for me to again like i said forgive mistakes or forgive things because it just taps into to something
0: right right yeah i as I, as i was watching it i i was thinking like this <laughs> this film in so many ways is and again these are like to me like sort of decade defining films we have like uh, Jared Hess's Napoleon Dynamite, of course. Zach Braff's Garden State, mm-hmm. you know, uh, even a little little bit of flavor of things like uh, uh, Royal Tenenbaums mm-hmm. and uh, and and Steve Zisu and stuff like that in there with from Wes Anderson, all in this kind of New Zealandy mix. And, and I was like, oh yeah, you know what? That's these were all. This was the time for that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to get too hard, hard into this uh, before we we talk about what we're talking about. Daniel Eagle versus Shark. What is Eagle versus Shark?
1: So Eagle versus Shark is really a, at its heart is a romance with the protagonist Lily. She appears to be like an awkward person who's looking for love or connection with a person. She's um, really interested in in this man child named Jared right. uh, who is completely aloof. And I guess through the course of the film and their relationship where it begins is like this, this sort of loner film that turns into this romance film that really turns into this tragic comedy of this person, Jared wanting to really just be back in the graces of his family. Right. And then of course over time, uh, Lily and Jared find really what brings them together and, and what connects them. In their relationship, yeah. I do. You remember when you when you first saw it? Yeah, I do. I I saw this movie by way of of Jermaine Clement, right? Because of uh, Flight of the Concords. Flight of the Concords. which which Taika YTT had had something to do with. He it. did. So I, I went through a big Flight of the Concords phase. Oh yeah, yeah. I think we all did. Yeah. So I would love. I just loved so much about yeah. the Flight of the Concords. Got all like all the seasons that I could. Right. And so well, then when I heard. And I'm trying to remember if it had already been made or if it was going to be made. I can't remember the order of things, but whatever the case, I, I knew that I wanted to see Eagle versus Shark. Mm. I didn't see it in the theater, but I saw it soon after it was released. Yeah, that would have been what, like probably 2008, maybe. Yeah, maybe something like that. Yeah, and then I honestly hadn't seen it since. Okay. So preparing
0: for this. And Jermaine Clement was the uh, was was your in? Oh, he was my in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember back in that decade the. This is back when we were still renting DVDs, and and the way they would, for younger audiences, the way it would work is you would rent a DVD and you would put it in. You would skip past all the stuff that you don't care about to get to the DVD menu, but they programmed these freaking DVDs in such a way so that there's certain things that they didn't let you skip past. Yeah, you couldn't skip it. It's like it was locked. Yeah. And one of the things, and this was probably fiscally clever of them to do this, uh, was... Reviews for other movies that were on, you know, from the same studio. And I remember, I don't remember what we rented, but I remember there was a trailer for Equal vs. Shark in one of these non skippable DVD sections. And I remember there was just a couple of things that stood out to me in this trailer. I don't think I had seen Flight of the Concords uh, when when I saw this, but uh, I remember just laughing so hard at the part of the movie, which is in the trailer, (laughs) where Jared, played by Jermaine Clement, You know, of course, there's a major plot point as he's going back to his hometown to fight the bully that bullied him. And he 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 calls him on the phone to to tell him, like, you know, we're going to have a we're going to have a rumble here. The bully's dad (laughs) answers the phone and he says, let him know that justice is waiting for him. Uh, Sorry. Hi. Is Eric there, please? No, he's not back for later tonight. Okay, you
1: want to leave
0: a message for him? Uh, Yes. Could you tell him that justice is waiting for him?
1: He's waiting for you. Okay,
0: Justin. Thank you. Bye-bye. No justice. <laughs> I, for some reason, I'm like, I, I, that's enough for me. I need to see this movie. That's great. I, I don't know what that is, but I, I need to go watch this movie. Uh, and sure enough, it, you know it, 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 was, it was right in that pocket. Of the uh, of the Jared Hess style of uh, of filmmaking, and whatnot, with the yes. investment in innocence, and also this kind of uh, folk pop, yes, you know, music uh, soundtrack and whatnot of uh, you know all these little that that were just to have this kind of slightly alt indie feel, and and you know just all the way down the line, and you know even just the little stop motion little things kind of felt like Jared Hessy and all that. And I look at it now and I think, okay, well, Taika, I mean, clearly he's now he's Taika YTT, but he was still looking for his voice. Yeah. But I think what was amazing though, is that even in that searching for his voice, he was able to kind of grab the voice of that moment, kind of mimic that voice really, really, really well. You know, it's not like he was trying and failing. It's just like, no, he's, he understands it and he's in it and he's giving it to us.
1: Absolutely. I think one, I mean, he knowing now what you know of him. He's he's a person that you see as so confident actually. Mm. Like that's one of the things I think is fascinating about this this film. He's so assured at least in the type of movie he wants to make. Mm. It's, it doesn't seem like he's self-conscious about it.
0: Yeah, and and I have to say if there's one thing that hasn't changed about Taika Waititi, it's just he's so self-assured. You know, and you can see this with like interviews You see, he just kind of shrugs at everything. In fact, I think I feel like I um a behind the scenes thing i saw about when he was directing thor ragnarok talk about you know the biggest pressure of your life huge. a marvel film you know which with this bananas budget and you know these huge stars crazy effects and you know all this kind of stuff and once or twice he was found napping on the set yes did you hear this yes <laughs> which is ridiculous it's so ridiculous this is these are some pictures of, uh, oh, of an assortment of photos that have been posted on Instagram and also provided by people you know. It seems, and you're really sleeping in that picture, huh? Uh, Here's another one of lazy. you asleep on the job. <laughs> it's a good thing you're not an air traffic controller <laughs> because it seems... Hundreds of millions of dollars are at stake, and, you know, there's like a thousand things going on, and he just kind of nods off on the set, you know, while Chris Hemsworth is like, I don't know, adjusting his Thor codpiece or whatever it is, but... Amazing to me.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you got Thor's codpiece in here. I was wondering if that was going <laughs> to was gonna make its way in. To your point about him sleeping, so he, you know, part of the way this movie got developed is he wrote and directed a short film right? that then went to the Oscars. Right, right. And I heard him tell the story about how when that was happening, he and, and all the people who made it had decided that when the camp when their when their film is announced as one of the nominees and the camera was going to be scanning them in the audience, right. they were all going to be acting like they were sleeping, <laughs> right? Um, and of course, nobody did it except for him. Except for him, yeah. And and so
0: was it the short film that was based on Boy or was it another? I one?
1: think it was the was it the Two Cars One Night? Oh, I think. right, right yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I just think it's a funny connection. The napping on set, this fake napping on. Oscar night, yeah, just it it does speak to this either this playfulness or this like, eh. I mean, yeah, what a cool thing. Yeah, <laughs> it is.
0: I mean, and I say this as someone who you know directs stuff and whatnot. I pride myself in being pretty cool about you know when when there's where there's a lot going on and people are asking a lot of questions. But yeah, dude, you're feeling the. I mean, even even when I'm directing something like a commercial, I'm I'm at a at a nine point nine, maybe even a ten in terms of just like okay. There's so much happening and there's so much kind of like, you know, you're, you're losing daylight and there's just, there's, you just feel like as a director, there's a lot at stake. If you're, if you're wasting your time and I'd see like, and I hear these stories about Taika and I'm like, oh, I kind of want to be that, you yeah. know? But on the other hand, I know that if my version of that would not go well, <laughs> so like, right. it might be a real unique thing that he's got going on vibe wise.
1: But it does seem like it's helped him in his creative process i yeah. i think so after that uh short film he'd written a script that was somehow chosen to be developed at sundance mm. and i think it was out of that that eagle vs shark came to be and so this i don't want to say lackadaisical because it's not that there's just this sense of i guess self-assuredness which we already said this confidence but maybe this idea of it's just all great like look what we get to do like this is pretty mm. remarkable right and, like that sense I think allows him to make these these types of films that are both playful but then also really sincere. Yeah, I'll come clean. I'm
0: I'm a fan of Taika Waititi. I I think he's great. I love his whole vibe. I hate to say that he's stealing and borrowing so much from from the world around him. I mean, he kind of was, but he is so unique at the same time. So, of course, if you haven't seen Equal vs Shark, well, you should probably go watch it before you listen to more of what we have to say, but there's things throughout that, you know, I, I think I mentioned earlier, like the stop motion stuff. Yeah. You know, he's he's got like this sort of stop motion sequences in Eagle versus Shark where there's a point where Jared eats part of an apple and he sees that it's rotten in the middle, so he chucks it into a river. And then in this sort of, all of a sudden, this stop motion context, we see the journey of this half rotted apple going down the river and, you know, and then later on in the film, we see Lily also eating an apple and then you know and then she she tosses that and then we see the, the you know the the journey of that apple core you know going and and getting into a a, a boat which is actually a sandal and you mm-hmm. know riding down the river and whatnot uh, you know with this little sort of anthropomorphic attitude and you know and then of course toward the end of the film we see the you know the the uh, the rotten apple and the apple core coming together and you know we we get the point Two things are amazing about this to Mm -hmm. me. The first is, of course, that like that this was even thought of as like, a well, I I mean, how how do we comment on this relationship, this very strange, awkward relationship between these two people? Well, let's do it with the stop motion sequence. I mean, you know, that in itself, that that idea was even floated is is odd to me. But I have to tell you, the other thing is very strange to me is that like, there had to be teams of people. Mm. This is a freshman film that bought off on this idea, <laughs> which I got to tell you, man, is an expensive idea. I'm sure, <laughs> you know, so this very, very expensive idea, which is kind of, I'm not going to say completely without precedent, but kind of, I mean, like, right. What's a movie you can point to where it's like, we're just going to completely swell, you know, whatever there, there are examples, but switching to this, the stop motion abstraction and it's really, really expensive uh, way. And this isn't the only stop-motion moment. There's also, you know, no. you see uh, Jared and Lily, uh, you know, like laying in sleeping bags, and suddenly they just start, st- you know, streaking in their sleeping bags around the, the countryside and following each other, uh, you know, in, in this sort of strange Jan Svankmajer style where they're just gliding through the grass in this stop-motion style.
1: And if, yes, they hide...
0: We'll it kind of fits and works and but you're also just sitting there going i don't know why it, it works it, yes. it seems yeah. to <laughs> and it's and again the resources that went into this and the, the expertise that went in and the understanding of how this kind of stuff looks and works all this weird stuff went into it for this for this odd little indie that was partly paid for by like, I don't know what was it, like the, the, the New Zealand film commission and Sundance and stuff. Yeah. It all kind of feeds back into this idea of like Taika YTT saying like, I don't know, brother. I thought of it one day. That's it's there. Cause yeah. I thought of it. I mean, what, what, what more do you want? That's what it is. Quintessential artist, freshman film hubris. And yet that's pretty cool. It
1: is pretty cool. And he keeps doing it. Mm. Maybe not in the same way or in the same style. But I do think he keeps making these types of choices that are, I think, on the face of it are insane. Yeah. Well, like making the type of Thor films that he's made. Right. In the way that he's made them. Making a film about.
0: Uh, By the way, let me stop you real quick. So you have
1: seen his Thor films. I've seen one of his Thor films. You saw the Ragnarok. Uh, Of course I saw the Ragnarok. You didn't see the one that
0: everybody seems to hate.
1: So, yeah. Um, I'm
0: sorry. I, just, I, I had to get, the, get that out of the way. I
1: know. I, I was ready for that. I was ready to talk. I, I was like, I don't really want to. Yeah, but. So you, you, you swallowed your pride enough to watch Thor Ragnarok. Yes. But the choices that he makes, it would they would be hard to, to say yes to, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm curious, I guess, we to have this conversation about Eagle versus Shark is do they work or in what ways do they work? It being a freshman film, that he seems able to both think of these ideas and then say yes, why not. Like, right. I'm just so amazed by that.
0: Yeah. I mean, he has a, he has a very specific aesthetic. And maybe this is the best place to talk about like what 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 are the things yes, that we do saw it. here in Eagle versus Shark that he carries throughout. The biggest and most obvious is all of his films are hilarious. Mm-hmm. I think to a film. They're all just really 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 funny. I don't know. Have we even mentioned this yesterday? This is still, of course, the second of our of our comedy block. Mm-hmm. is Taika Waititi. Yeah. Easy choice to make because, you know, he's just, he's a hilarious filmmaker. But none of his films exist only for comedy. Yes. We can't skip over that because there's sort of this, not just a big heartedness, there's this genuine affection for the subjects and I think affection for the world around him that he has. Yeah. I mean, there was something, and again, this is getting back into the, you know, what was the defining aesthetic of the, of the, of the double O's. And a lot of it was, you you saw a lot of movies that had that sort of just kind of blue sky naive quality where, you know, that the, the filmmakers and the screenwriters, and you know what, you, you know, they're not as naive as the films that they're writing. But for some reason in that moment, maybe this is partly like a post nine 11 thing We just really, we really needed that in our lives for a while where we just like, we we needed to feel, we needed to be naive and we needed to be big eyed about the future and and relationships and love. There's a Taika-ness to to all of that, where he's just, you get the sense that he's smart and he's making all these really interesting choices. I do kind of feel like, you know, and not just here, all the way on through Jojo Rabbit and Mm -hmm. and... Hunt for the Wilder People, Boy, certainly. Uh, really, in all his films, there's just this kind of, like, wide-eyedness. I mean, even what we do in The Shadows, which is just about, you yep. know, vampires and, and sucking blood and whatnot, there's just this kind of, like, aww.
1: Yes, I think that's right. <laughs> kind of
0: quality to it. And he, he's, he's, he's never lost it.
1: Stu is
0: great.
1: We really like him.
0: At first, I wanted to kill him.
1: But now, I'm glad I spent the time to get to know him. Yeah, of course, he looks delicious with his big red cheeks. But we've all got an agreement that we're not going to eat stew, right? Right. The guys upstairs, they're loving him. At the start, they were a bit, oh, who's this human you bring into the house? But it took them literally two minutes, and they like him more than they like me, I reckon. Yeah, I think that that's something that I'm most interested in about Taika, is his like framework of life you know life is is funny and mostly because like the specificity of a person it's not like the gags are funny it's like what's so funny about what he does is about who the people are like it's their idiosyncrasies that that really become part of the humor and you're not actually la- like yeah i found myself like really trying to interrogate this when i was watching eagle vs shark I'm like am i laughing at jared is he just somebody that, that has been made so that I can, like, laugh at him? Yeah. Or is there just something about Jared that I can also identify with and, like, there's this awkwardness? Because
0: he is kind of there to break your heart as well. Yeah,
1: absolutely, that I get. And I, Taika does that so beautifully. Have you listened to his TED Talk on creativity? No. So he has a TED Talk on creativity. The way it's structured is so Taika. Kind of awkward, little jokey. Fits in there pieces of his life and what he wanted. To, he wanted to either be a painter or a filmmaker or an actor. Like he didn't know what he wanted to do, and then he just decided movies sort of encompassed all of the things he enjoyed. Talks about his dad who was an artist, and yeah. he basically said like painted from the same hill most of his life, the same thing. Oh wow! Which makes an appearance, of course, in Eagle versus. Yes, Shire. right. And so he and and then he starts to describe his own ideas or like world as wanting to see it from like different perspectives like that's why he's so interested in children and which of course shows up in in his movies but then he makes this move toward the end which is really about how amazing it is that we are alive mm-hmm. congratulations to all of us that we are here back home in New Zealand we have this saying um koe. okay it's a Maori saying is how you say hello and what it literally means is there you are, okay? If you're saying it to a group of people, Tanakoto, there you guys are, okay? So the fact that we're here, that we're even on earth in the first place, I think that's success in itself. So congratulations, everyone, on being here. And uh, I wish you all the best in your creative lives. And, um, and on that note, cheers, kia ora, kia What I happen to do is this, and it's no more remarkable than than you or i living i mean it's just that yeah. affirming of of what it means to be living and i just think that's uh, that's actually true in in his films this this sense that i think we get that if you you like taika for that reason like yeah. you laugh you feel there's a resonance like oh right. yeah I, I sort of resonate with what's being shared and
0: that, that's great I like the fact that he's in all of his movies also. yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I think from other filmmakers, uh, you know there are times where like, okay oh well, let's let's find where the the cameo is this time or something like that for right a certain right. kind of like actor director type thing. I mean he's great. First of all, he's he's just a really he's a really good actor. He's completely hilarious usually and and it's he usually casts himself in a part that's there for comedy not as much in this film. Right. Of course he he plays the uh the the brother who committed suicide. You know, but he's in all these films and for, for some reason it just it feels kind of right that he's part of it. You don't get the sense that it's out of like ego or something like that. You get the sense that just because he wants to and he loves it and he he feels like he knows what that scene needs and he and he's going to put that in it. He likes kids? Yeah. It seems like kids are in most, if not all of his films, I, he may have had more difficulty getting that in, I don't know, was that true in Thor Ragnarok? I'm not sure. But, uh, certainly in Thor, Blood and Thunder, mm-hmm. Hunt for the Wilder People, Boy, Jojo Rabbit, this film, you know, there, there's, you know, obviously the, um, the, the, the daughter is there. He just, he loves having kids in his movies and he loves like that camera that's focusing on that kid's expression. And, and something great that that kid is going to do.
1: Yogi! Okay? Thank God. I thought you were dead. No, it seems like I can never die. I'm going to go home and see my mother. I need a cuddle. Nothing makes sense anymore. Yeah, I know. It's definitely not a good time to be a Nazi.
0: Right, to me, that's not just like, oh, you know, because, you know, Spielberg, he also loves kids. Yeah. This is really specific, though. This is a thing that, to me... Well, okay, I think Spielberg has his own reasons for being for for liking it. And that that kind of plays to the Spielberg ex- aesthetic. Taika as well, but it's a different type of reason, mm-hmm. a different type of aesthetic. And I think it all kind of feeds into this just kind of big-heartedness that he capitalizes on. He, he always manages to cast kids that are freaking they're, great.
1: They're good. I know. Even the daughter in this film I thought was awesome.
0: Yeah. She was
1: like really she was such a great like addition to
0: the movie. She's great and had never been anything in anything. And the only other thing that she had been in since was she played like a, a kid vampire in what we do in the shadows and that's it. And she's never acted in anything else. And, but she just happened to be that the right person for the job. I wanted to ask you, so, so the main characters, Jared and, and Lily, this is a tough line to walk with, mm-hmm. with writing these kind of characters that it's it's very, very easy for this to be like, let's let's poke fun at these two idiots. But the film never quite feels, I mean, maybe somewhat with Jared, the film never feels like it just fully devolves into let's just make fun of these people though. But I, I wondered what, what you thought.
1: No, I, th- I think that that's one of the things I've been intrigued by in this film is I didn't feel that. Like even Lily seems, yeah, no, Lily doesn't seem, she's super awkward in the film. Mm-hmm. And in a way that you feel like it's cringy, but what's so interesting to me is I'm not creeped out or cringed out by her, mm-hmm. but it's more like, oh, I want, I'm, I find myself rooting for, her. Yeah. like, oh, I want it to work out for her. Yeah, and she's so great. She is. I think she's so great. I guess she she had thought of this character and and was talking with Taika about right. it. Right. And she then, was. She's a co writer of this of the film. Yeah, know. and so there's something about that. I think that sells it that you don't feel at all like you are laughing at this person Mm or one of the things I I really appreciate I and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this and and, uh, at least this is part of my answer to your question uh is how much interest there was in her face Mm -hmm. there were so many shots right that really focused in on her face her reactions even like some of the subtle things that she would do I felt like with you know, like either biting her lip or so. I don't know. There was something about that yeah. that I felt drew me into her. I was part of of her story in in a way. So of course, the the actor who
0: plays Lily, her name is Lauren Taylor. Uh, she's credited as Lauren Horsley in the uh, in in the film. Um, I'm guessing maybe that's a maiden name or something. But her performance is astonishing. I, I love Jemaine Clement. I think he's awesome. I think Lauren Taylor's performance. Is the movie, though? Mm-hmm. I mean, she is—she's astonishing. I think, for me, the brilliance of her performance is best exemplified in the moment where Jared says to Lily, "I'm gonna have to dump you." I have to dump you. Okay. My life's just too complicated. I guess what I'm saying is, I gotta be alone right now and i'm busy with the revenge mission i'm sorry i didn't know this would happen it doesn't mean Hmm. her face moves through like all the stages of grief Mm -hmm. she just she just does this thing where like your heart is breaking during it and you can see everything that's in her face and then of course you know that one of my favorite lines of the one of my favorite lines in the whole movie then is next, which is from from Jared, where he says, Oh, why am I so complex? <laughs> yeah, I and we can still be friends, right? Yeah. Damn it. I'm too complex. I love her as in I love, love, love her. And and, and I'll, I'll I'll cop to something that's kind of on the personal side. When I first saw this movie, I just, I I remember being very drawn in by her performance and just the the whole movie, and I just liked it a lot. Since then, I have a Lily in my life now, and um, it's someone that I love very, very, very much. And I see Lily in this person, and it just, my heart is full actually now watching this performance. because it just seems all the more real and authentic and and every single thing. And I realize that so much of this is just played for laughs. And again, that's part of what I love about it, actually. And and I'll be honest, I have a lot of affection for this movie. Mm -hmm. I think it's great. But Lily, played by Lauren Taylor... There's an authenticity to what she's doing there. It kind of gives me hope. It encourages me about, uh, you know, the real life Lily that I know. And I just, I want to, and I realize that 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 all sounds very vague, but whatever. I think it was a very, very well-drawn character. I don't know if that's exactly what you were asking, but.
1: Yeah, what I was asking about is what is it about, yeah, Lily and what's happening that allows us to be really pulled in into her story in a way, in a way that's that does I think authenticity is a good point. I think one of the things that you're what you said, and I think it's really hard to convey this actually in as a character as an actress, a person who has so much agency mm-hmm. but cannot control the world you know around them, which is obviously us. I mean that's like we have agency yeah. and yet we live in a world with people who make choices that we have to respond to and live with yeah. And there's something about Lily's character that that rings true in that way. She tries to really do what she can do in order to, to be with Jared. And she's so smart that she knows what it will take, which means like losing a... Losing a game. Losing a game. She's in control in so many points. But then this person that she found and won, in a way, is also making his own choices. Right that she's needing to respond to. I mean, ultimately it it comes back around. She ends up with a with a better Jared. Yeah. Right. By virtue of his own journey than she, she would have had otherwise. I'm just like struck by her. I don't know, by the way she played it. There's just some, there's some sense of maturity there that is, that is really profound to me as like a, as just what it's, what it's like to, to be in relationship with people and, and to really be committed to a person that, is so complex. Yeah. But, but also. But who shits on you, right? I mean, exactly. That's, that's, who shits on yeah, you? Yeah.
0: It's, 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 and it's going to be a real world problem for the lilies of the world. And there's quite a few of them, fortunately and unfortunately. But the arc of the whole thing, there's so many funny and yet at the same time heartbreaking. That's one of the flavors of comedy, I think, of this, of this millennium, you know, in a way. Mm. And I think it was really, really starting to get mined. that first decade of the millennium where it's a complex laugh that they're giving you yes it's not just like uh you know this isn't just there for yucks and how many you know i think we've even talked about this before with uh the early adam mckay movies where he's, he's talking about like how many how many laughs can i get a minute and can we wedge a few more in it's just not about that it's like we want the laugh to be richer than just a laugh you know Mm -hmm. and we want that laugh to mean something more and we want we want you to maybe even struggle with the laugh a little bit and you know of course there's the moment when jared first asks lily well you know do you want to have sex do you want to have sex Um, yep You know, he's struggling with like, you know, condom and all this jazz
1: and
0: she she keeps the upper half of her shark outfit on
1: (laughs) the whole time. It's so good. <laughs> but at the same time, there's this
0: weird kind of like heartbreaking quality yes. to this to this kind of you know, this 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 love making and whatnot. And of course the whole thing finishes with him making this what seems at the moment a completely random phone <laughs> call. Is so- Hello,
1: is Eric there please? Hello? You fucking dead, you fucking someone fuck.
0: I don't know the layers of that though. Yeah, is just I don't know. There's uh, again, it's not a complex situation, but it's it's got so many complex feelings under it that I just I, I deeply appreciate.
1: Yeah, I think another moment, you know, Lily after have Jared broke up with her, is hanging out with his daughter still and his dad. Right, and you learn throughout the film because of of his brother's death. That Jared and his dad have a, a complex relationship. Mm-hmm. Jared's really just trying to find the affection of his father, mm-hmm. but Lily's hanging out with him. He's in a wheelchair, and so she's pushing him up this paved hill, and then she keeps going higher. And then you can see in the distance that there's an, another hill, and he's really adamant about I don't want to go up there. And you know, and you know that this is there's something it's been alluded to, but you're not quite sure what. But you know something has happened in this family and it's a really serious moment but he gets so angry that he stands up right from right. his wheelchair yeah. takes the wheelchair moves it and then just sits back down right like there's this this seriousness that's communicating something but then this total laughable oh okay yeah. <laughs> like you don't know what to do with that it's like this complex laugh which I, I love, yeah, I love those moments. It's
0: yeah, looking at all of Taika's stuff, the the arc of everything that he's done. I mean, you 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 have a, a film like Eagle versus Shark, which is you know whatever. It's very charming and it's it's very very funny and all that. And I think on the surface, you look at something like Thor: Love and Thunder, which is this enormous movie, um, enormous budget, enormous effects, enormous everything. Um, and by the way, um, the central to the story is is a story about kids. What does that have in common with with Eagle versus Shark? What does Jojo Rabbit have in common and all this kind of stuff? And I, for me, though, the through line is so strong, though, and obvious. Having watched, I want to say, pretty much all of his feature films, I think. I don't know that I've missed any. Taika's mission in life is just, I think it's clearer and clearer with every movie. I think it always comes back to that same thing, which is just love for humanity, love for the world an embrace of the hilarity of everything around him. By the Mm -hmm. way, you know, I think I read a thing that said basically every New Zealand film that Taika has ever made has become the number one film in New Zealand, you know, uh, you know, including like hunt for the wilder people and, you know, just whatever his, his, all of his New Zealand specific films. I, I think he's kind of looked at as sort of this treasure there. That's awesome. You know, I mean even into like his you know his TV stuff, like like the episodes that he's directed of like Flight of the Concords and mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about a prolific guy I, he's he's done he did an episode of the Mandalorian uh, he he's you know there's discussions and I know this is kind of in and out right now, so I don't know where it stands, but there's discussions about him helming a major Star Wars franchise feature film.
1: Oh, and, wow, I didn't know that. yeah. And reservation dogs. He helped reservation yeah, yeah, exactly
0: so many different things. It just seems like he's got his fingers and all these things that are all really cool and really popular. And he's just trusted all the way around underneath all of it is this bedrock of just kind of like funny, good naturedness, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. He, he likes, he likes, uh, he likes grabbing these same actors. I mean, you know, the Rachel house who plays uh, Nancy, which is, uh, Jared's sister, you know, she's, she's in, you know, one of the Thor movies and, and whatnot. And you, you just see he's, he sticks with his people and he never tries too hard to hide the new New Zealand accent right. any, any time, even with whether it's him or somebody else, it's always just kind of like, it's always kind of right there. And I think, I think that's just kind of part of it where he's just like, well, come on, <laughs> we're going <laughs> to stop taking yourself so seriously this is just this is where we're doing this for fun aren't we yes
1: i know like in like what we do in the shadows i never could quite figure out where he was from <laughs> like where his vampire was from yeah any of them really i mean but yeah. i think that's part of like the, even when
0: he's hitler i was yeah. having this discussion today with uh, with my daughter chloe and she was you know we, i was saying yeah we're gonna do a taika ytt and she said something about his german accent when he played hitler and I said, yeah, it was kind of a German accent. <laughs> and she's like, really? You know, so you didn't think it was very good? I said, I think it's Germany by way of New Zealand. And there you go. Basically, everything he does is kind of by way of New Zealand. Mm-hmm.
1: Poor Jojo. What's wrong, little man? Hi, Adolf.
0: Wanna tell me about that rabbit incident? What was all that about?
1: They wanted me to kill it. I'm sorry. I couldn't. Don't worry about it. I couldn't care less. But now they call me a scared rabbit. Let them say whatever they want. People used to say a lot of nasty things about me. Oh, this guy's a lunatic. Oh, look at that psycho. He's going to get us all killed. That When I think of Taika, I think that's the through line too. I think there's this sense of gratitude, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, for living. You have to take seriously the parts of life that are hard. Yeah. Any gratitude for life must include the grief. Because right. you believe him in those moments in, of like depth, it allows you, I think, the freedom to take his humor for what it is. like right. you in a way, like you feel you feel safe with a taika and, and you almost have this idea of what the film's going to do. I mean, he's not like he's, he does the, his thing mm. like, right? Like I think in almost all of his movies, like he he has like all of these different beats, but part of why you feel Okay to, to laugh at the parts you're laughing at is because you know they're not gonna be for naught. I mean they're yeah, he's yeah. gonna do something yeah, with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean this is yeah, the block of comedy. I think that's one of the, the things about comedy. You laugh in, in a way that, that is good to laugh, um, and rather than like, oh, you know, like a kind of awkward laugh. But you you when you're actually laughing with what's happening in a way that, that is meaningful it's because I think you have to trust the person who's right. doing that, right? I mean, trust is like a big component to to comedy and, yeah. and to
0: laughter. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, I think it was Tarantino who was talking about, like, there's no end to how ridiculous a situation you can present to an audience if they feel they're being taken care of. If you're going to fling them off the end of a trapeze, they're fine with it as long as they really genuinely feel like there is going to be someone on the next trapeze who's strong, and he's going to grab him, and I think Taika does do that. He's got this quality where the things that you're laughing at, in the back of your brain, you're like, "I kind of can't believe I'm laughing at this." Right. This is, I, should I be laughing at this? But you have to because you can't deny that it's funny. Should I really be laughing at this boy's relationship with Hitler? No, right? Is that is that appropriate? But it's so hilarious and it's so great. One of my favorite things in all of his movies is. <laughs> ricky baker comes in and you know he joins his new foster family and hunt for the wilder people and you could mm-hmm. tell you know foster dad is not into it yes. but you know mom totally is and she sings him this birthday song that's the most ridiculous thing you've ever <laughs> you've <laughs> ever heard and you're just and i say this as someone who's who's been a foster dad <laughs> and i'm like wincing and cringing through like you don't sing a song about how they've been rejected <laughs> but now they're finally accepted and all that
1: ricky baker now you are 13 years old you are a teenager and you're as good as gold ricky baker oh. ricky baker happy birthday once rejected now accepted. By me and Hector, we're a trifecta. Ricky Baker, uh, Ricky Baker, uh, Ricky Baker, uh, Ricky uh, Baker,
0: Ricky Baker, uh, But it's so great and so funny and you just, you trust it though. You trust that he's going to do something great with us and sure enough, you know, in that yes. film in particular, he, he does, every film he does, he, he does something trustworthy with
1: it. It does. I think that's what's so amazing about it. Like it's, it is, it is so not just used. Like as a way of, of a cheap laugh. No, it yeah. is, it is work. It is doing work. And I think that is what I really appreciate about Taika is I think all the way up to reservation dogs, which is some of his most recent work, mm-hmm. the subject matter is so heavy, right. but then you have this imagined native American right. and kind of the craziness of this character. And, and as a viewer, like, should I be laughing? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But it, it's, yeah. it's so meaningful.
0: And by the way, Taika Waititi has an Academy Award for screenwriting for, for Jojo Rabbit. He spent his time giving his Oscar speech, talking about how real art comes from indigenous people and his commitment to telling the stories of indigenous people. And that's another thing. Like you look through his movies, you're like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: This is really great. I uh, dedicate this to uh, all the indigenous kids in the world who uh, want to uh, do, do art and dance and write stories. We are the original storytellers and uh, we can uh, make it here as well. Thank you. Keota.
0: Taika Waititi was not born Taika Waititi. Was, his last name was Cohen, mm-hmm. but he decided to embrace this heritage of his uh, yeah. where, where he was just very, very, you know, particularly with uh, in this in this very specific culture in New Zealand. But then, you know, like uh, reservation dogs and, you know, certainly the story that he's telling in Boy and... Let's talk about the people who who were there first that have a story to tell, yeah, and have art that they need to share. And it's easy to think around or overlook that art and those people, but that's death <laughs> to yeah. do that, you know. And I, th- I think if uh, I think if there's another sort of sub point that he's making with all of his body of work, it's it's that and that's something that maybe is not is, is 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 on the surface to see but he's very very committed mm-hmm. to telling the, the the stories of uh indigenous people absolutely
1: well i'm curious because i mean i think it's clear that we both have like affection for this film and for taika but are there things that you feel at least in eagle versus shark that he's started to do better or maybe he even decided i don't know if, i don't know if i'm gonna keep doing that or in the same way um but yeah, what did you notice? I mean, like I said, his through line is pretty strong. There's there's detail craft
0: things. And and I feel like I say this kind of thing about a lot of directors where I'm like, you know, they they he improved his craft. There's a couple of moments in there where I'm like, okay, that's probably gonna get ironed out later. He has this weird he only does it like maybe a couple of times in this film, but he's he, he kind of does this kind of awkward slow-mo thing when Lily discovers all of the pieces of paper with her name written on yes. it and it's slow-mo falls out of her hands in this way. That's just, it's not really tonally appropriate to the kind of film that he's making. And there's little things like that where I'm like, yeah, he just, he just got better at it. it. It was funny when I was making, I was making my notes out about like, you know, this part of it, like what, what did he kick to the curb early on? He was kind of slavish to this aesthetic of, Oh, this is just a funny little movie. Don't, don't make a big deal out of this. Right. I think, he kind of still wants to make a funny little movie, but everyone trusts him so much now that they're like, well, you know, here's $100 million mm-hmm. to make your funny little movie now. So I think he's kind of released himself from that a little bit, you know? There's moments even in Jojo Rabbit where you can see still the kind of Wes anderson angles and, you know, that kind of jazz. You know, when he's making, like, for example, Mandalorian or his Marvel movies or something like that, he's just like, no, oh, fuck it, let's... Let's do the, you know, the, the the super jib, crane, dolly, you know, virtual camera combo for, like, this blow-your-socks-off moment, and let's also kind of make it funny, you know. Let's plant the camera in the, in the funniest possible spot, but then let's follow it up with, you know, just this piece of wildness. Now, yeah, resources are, that's a big deal. Maybe he would have always done that kind of stuff if he had been given a bajillion dollars, even back with Eagle versus Shark. I don't know, but... I can see an embrace of like, a, well, I'm starting to get some big dollars here. Let's make some big dollars choices. Why not? I don't. I can be that guy too.
1: Yeah, I think I. I yeah, I agree with that. The things that he's kicked to the curb is well, you know that mantra in art, right? Like if you like, don't borrow, steal. Uh-huh. And I'd say that I see more borrowing, maybe in eagle versus shark right. than. Maybe what he ends up stealing later that just becomes his own. Mm. Maybe some derivative moments. I would say never, though, in the story or the script. Like, I think that's completely his in Eagle versus Shark. Like, the story that he tells is completely Tyka's story. I see some Wes Anderson in here. I see some Michelle Gondry in here. Oh, yeah. And maybe some. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe some Jared Hess. Uh, I think what's the strongest, though, is are the. Or, yeah, what's the strongest is this the story, are the characters having seen his stuff and where it's gone. That's just what highlighted these other like dissonant parts, right. which I just think he's gotten, I think you're right. I think he's just gotten better at, at somehow incorporating his own style or his style has become his own over time right. that, that everything's clicking from the script and the characters, the story that he's wanting to tell and also just the way he's doing it. Right
0: in terms of like everything that taika has done it's tough to know where to draw the line because yeah he's done a, he's done a nice little grip of feature films but a big part of his body of work is of course his television stuff and on and on and on uh, and, and of course you know he's also just he's just an actor that shows up in things now and then too specifically talking about his feature directing stuff I don't know what are you seeing in terms of like uh, put putting eagle versus shark in the t- context of all that stuff everything he's done.
1: Ooh, like where would I put it? Yeah, let's start there. Ooh, what do you think? Oh my god.
0: It's tough, right?
1: It is tough. I think part of why it's tough is because so much of what he does like begins here. Right. He just does, he just has done it better. Yeah. Like one of my favorite films of his which I wish we could just spend time talking about it, is what we do in the shadows. I freaking love that movie yeah, so yeah. much. Like it is, it is so great. To my to my shame, I've only seen the film. I haven't seen the show. Oh, so I haven't seen the show either. Oh, okay. okay. No, no, no. Okay. But I mean, they, I've only seen the but the film. Like, I just, I love the movie. Like that's a pretty good maybe moment where he's completely and entirely shifting into him, right? Um, as the director. It's harder for me to put this movie anywhere near the top because of maybe the mo- more of his just of his catalog and and what it represents. Yeah. To say that it's probably in the bottom half isn't to say that you shouldn't watch it, oh, right? right? So I think that's right. what's that's what's hard like about that, but it, that's probably where I would put it, like with the caveat of like but that's it's worth watching. Yeah,
0: it's kind of a. T- I mean, I hate even asking it because I I don't really know either. I don't know that you can do better than Jojo Rabbit. That's just, that was just. That seems like the top top. Yeah, 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 right. In terms of like the movie that, like what's at the bottom. So here's the thing, man. Franchise film fans are such assholes. And and I say this as a franchise film fan, but I'm not as big an asshole as some people.
1: Time will tell.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm sure even though you haven't seen the film, I'm sure you've heard the backlash from Thor, Love, and Thunder. I want to say this. It is a good movie. No, it's not his best movie. And no, it's not as good as Thor Ragnarok. The first and a good chunk of the second act of the film feels a little bit like a Taika Waititi impression rather than Taika Waititi. Oh, wow. It's almost over sincere and almost like trying to fit in with all the other Marvel movies. And then he just goes full on out. And by, by the final act, which is freaking gorgeous and amazing and, and, and big hearted and, uh, you know, well, whatever. You haven't seen the film, but it makes the film well, well worth it. Mm. You know, I don't care about the like the Guardians of the Galaxy cameos in it. I'm just like, mm-hmm. all right, come on, give us the real the good right. stuff. Um, yeah, I'd probably say that's not as good as some of his best stuff. Um, but even with that film, I'm like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's just so solid. I, I, I guess I really don't know. There's such a charm to this film. There, it
1: is charming. So you've used that word a couple times and yeah. I think that really does get at how with the effect of this film. Mm. It is that way. Yeah. yeah.
0: In fact, I'm going to go so far as to say, and I also thought, uh, what we do in the shadows is, is great. Um, wilder people also great. I mean, so good. There's kind of just this kind of, I don't know. I, and, and I don't know that this puts it above or below or where, but it just, there is something about this film though that it's so loaded with the best intention that uh, I just, I love it. I And I, I, I keep coming back to, I think it's Lily. Mm-hmm. I think this is the only one of his films that has a Lily. And I just, I love that character so much. She's so great. Is. And uh, I think people walk away from this and they, you know, they're talking about all the funny lines from Jermaine. But man, Lauren Taylor's why I'm in it. She's the heart. She's so great. So, yeah, I don't know. They're all great. Um, From a craft point of view. Yeah, it's probably the bottom from a heart and charm point of view. It's 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 one of his best, you mm-hmm. know. I So I don't know. I don't know where what all that adds up to. But I watched it. However many moons ago, it was just a long time. It was closer to when it came out. And I never watched it again until now. And and that was was my bad on that. I should have have returned to that movie more because there's so much there.
1: I I remember thinking that, like, wow, this really does hold up. Yeah. Even given all of its, you know, maybe limitations or things we've talked about. Like, there's still something there. So what are we saying?
0: What are we saying? What are
1: we going to say?
0: Yeah, the most pointless question we ask at the end of each episode, <laughs> which is Eagle vs. Shark, the freshman film of Taika Waititi, New Zealand comedy director. Is this something, wherever you are, wherever you are, you should see this
1: film, or is this a completest movie? No, you should watch it. You know, and it's really easy to find. You can rent it, I think, on any streaming platform. 100%. I'm trying to think of the profile of the
0: person who shouldn't watch this movie, and I just, I mean, yeah, there's some, Maybe it's not the best to watch with your kids, but there was even a part of me that was just kind of like, okay, yeah, there's some sex and there's language and there's, you know, there's this and that in it. But even still, I kind of wanted to
1: watch it with my daughters a little bit because they're teenaged and, you know, like, ah. But even the sex though, it's like, it's alluded to and even that's awkward. Like there's this awkwardness to it. It doesn't feel, yeah, it doesn't feel, I don't know, like, oh, you know,
0: Yeah. I don't know, man. I I say watch it if you haven't watched it. Um, you need to go check this out. You need to check out the whole body of work of Taika Waititi, which uh, top to bottom, he hasn't made a bad film. I agree with that. Thor, Love and Thunder included. If for no other reason, it's maybe the best use of Guns N' Roses I think I've ever heard. In a-
1: <laughs> I can't wait to watch it. It's the entire soundtrack,
0: it. by the way. It's just track after track of Guns N' Roses. Oh, crazy.
1: Yeah, it's great. That is pretty great. You kind of <laughs> want to watch that now. Yeah. Anyway... Comedy block. That's two down. I'll tell you what. I needed it. It's a good... It's
0: a gift. Yeah. Our listeners may not know you the way I know you. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh.
1: What is the... What are you going to say? I don't... Maybe the listeners shouldn't know me the way that you know me. Well, no, because this is...
0: like I picture it like sometimes you ever look at someone and you, you see their soul, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, you're yeah. just like, and some people just have like this glowing soul and other people just kind of have like an angry soul or something like that. You've got this glowing soul, but it's in the rain. You know what oh I mean? It's gosh. it's like moving through the rain and okay. it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of whole, it's, it's, it's a complex thing going on. I do
1: resonate with Jared. Oh,
0: why am I so
1: complex? Why
0: am I so complex?
1: It is so good.
0: But that's what I'm saying, man. And then that's why. And I, so I, I feel you. I know what you're saying. Like you, you, you need a movie like this. Yeah, you know, you need it. You gotta have it. Mm-hmm. You gotta come in. got get dry off. You know, sometimes
1: glowing soul needs just needs a towel. That's
0: all. <laughs> so towel off with Eagle versus Shark. Oh man, well another good one. I want to uh, thank the listeners for joining us again and uh, hopefully uh, continue to hang on with us.
1: Yeah, and you know we. Again, love to hear from you. We want this to be an ongoing conversation. We're, of course, in a comedy block. You know, are there comedy directors you want you want us to talk about? I don't know. But if you do and you, you want to talk about this episode, you can email us um, at freshman15film at gmail.com. That's freshman15film at gmail.com. You know, we would love for you as you listen to the podcast, wherever you might listen to it, to give us a rating it helps other people find it you know we're back yeah. so we want people to find us so don't hold it against us that it took so long please <laughs> please don't <laughs> you will but just don't
0: but just try and be kind of cool
1: about but it. reach out we 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 love
0: to hear from you yeah absolutely and i gotta tell you we got a good one coming next mm-hmm. we got a real good one a real real good one blazing
1: saddles <laughs> You know Mel Brooks. I can see us no, doing uh, a Mel Brooks episode. I, no, I, some I, I point. can too. But I just imagine that's not what other people were thinking. Probably not. But man, oh
0: man, that's uh, we want to talk about uh, a guy who made films that just would not be made today, man. Oh, truly. You know What I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever. That's that's probably a discussion for another time. And Wait, place. real
1: quick. Nobody's gonna be able to see what I just saw, which is like you went somewhere yeah. in your mind when you were thinking you were thinking about Mel Brooks. Yeah, went well, specific
0: because you brought up Blazing Saddles. Well, yeah. I'm like, holy cow, dude! Like, like half of that movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is funny, but, oh, but no, but no. <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks so much, everybody. Uh, we'll be talking at you soon.
1: Yeah, thanks again for listening. I'm Daniel Wong. And I'm Jeremy Bear. Bye. Bye.